The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. To introduce to you from our body, from our community, Matt, come on up here, man, share with us. I wanted to share this morning uh, with you guys out of Psalm 56. Um, before I do, there's, we've talked a lot about in Psalms, and, and David's written a lot of these Psalms, and so I'm sure you've gotten a little bit of context on, on who David is and what he's gone through. But right at, at this Psalm, what's really interesting to note is that they give you these little blurbs under the, the number in, in a lot of the Bibles, and it says that um, David was with the Philistines in Gath. And uh, it's, it's important to note that because you know, David has been anointed king by, by Samuel and by God, and, uh, and so Saul, the king of Israel, is pursuing him. He's chasing him, trying to kill him. And David's running, uh, running around for his life. He's, he's hiding out in caves. Um, you know, he's, he's not really living a very, um, a very comfortable life at this point. Even though he has theoretical rights to be king, um, they're not realized yet. And so he's, he's being pursued by Saul. And uh, he, he, he's being pursued so much that David flees to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines are, are just enemies of, of Israel, and that's probably not even a, a good enough word for it. They're so set against each other that, uh, that for David to even consider going to the land of the Philistines, is just, uh, he's got to be in such despair and such, just at the utter end of himself. And um, so anyway, for him to flee to this place, and he goes to a specific region called Gath, and if you're familiar with the story of David and Goliath, um, Goliath, the giant that David slays, is actually the hero warrior of the region of Gath. So if you could imagine David being in this town where he killed their mightiest warrior, um, he's not going to get a warm welcome. He's not going to be very respected or liked there. Um, so just keep that in mind as you're reading this, and it'll help you understand, I think, a little better um, David and his emotions. So just read this with me, um, or you don't have to read it out loud, but just follow along. In Psalm 56, it says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. And when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, for God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. I really could probably put down the microphone and and just leave it there, because God's word is just so powerful, and, and this psalm especially is so powerful, especially when you consider what David was going through. Um, man, he, he expresses some serious emotions here. And, um, and then the, the first of which, in the first couple of verses, I, I think he really talks about how afraid he is and, and how, how he's, you know, 
he's scared. I, I don't really know the exact emotion, but he says, when I'm afraid, I trust in God. And his reaction, how, how he can react like that is astounding to me. Um, I've never been pursued like he is being pursued. No one's ever tried to kill me, at least I don't think. Um, it, like I've never felt that threatened, so I, 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 can't, I can't fully grasp it. But the idea is that, um, that, that David always, always goes back to peace. He always finds peace because of who God is and what God has promised. And it's so amazing because, again, David had promises from God. He was promised to be the anointed king. Uh, he was promised to always have a descendant on the throne, and he was, he was delivered from death. And, um, and it's just so amazing to see David and his emotions here. Um, and, and I know that in times of uncertainty, um, it's really difficult. Like, we look at, um, at, at our economy right now. I mean, there's no one out there who's saying anything good about it. I, I sat down with a guy the other day. He's, a, he's an owner of a, of a fast food restaurant in La Habra. And he said to me, he goes, Matt, I'm, I'm worried. And I said, well, what are you worried about? And he said, you know, economists are projecting 2009 to be the worst economic year since the Great Depression. And I was like, well, that's... That's good reason to worry. I mean, because that you know, if you own a business or if, you know, if you have a retirement plan, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have been directly affected by these things, and and it's it's uncertain, and we don't know what's going on. But we have a God who tran- who transcends time and who transcends space, and and we can trust in Him. And David realized that when he was facing, I think, one of the most miserable, uncertain times of of anyone's life ever. He has peace with God. And I think that's just so amazing. And um, as you continue to read, another thing I want to point out is that David is, um, he's not just afraid, but he's agonizing. Um, you know, it says in verse 8 that you have, you've, you have kept count of my tossings and put my tears in your bottle. And so David's crying and he's weeping. Have, have you ever had just a really good time when you've cried? Like when you've just bawled? Like bawled enough to actually have a tangible amount of tears? Oh, I had a time real quick, I'll tell you, and then I'm done. Um, when I was uh, you know, going through getting married or getting engaged, uh, my wife Krista, um, the Lord, I really felt the Lord had given me a peace. And, and, and the word, again, it's hard to describe the Lord speaking to me because I didn't hear it, but I just knew that he wanted me to marry Krista. And um, there was a time when, uh, when things were coming, uh, coming against us, there was uncertainty, there was doubt. Um, there was doubt with her, there was doubt with me, and I just didn't, didn't know what to do. I, you know, and I, I had one time when I was in, in the bathroom, and yeah, you can pray in the bathroom, it's okay. Um, and sometimes it might be better for you if you do. But anyway, um, I, was, I was in the bathroom one day, and, and I just started crying out to God. Um, you know, God, help me. What's going on? You've, you've made these promises to me. And, and I started to cry. And it was one of those, those crying that once I started, I, I, I couldn't stop. And it was unbelievable because I, I don't really cry a lot. And I don't have a, a, you know, an issue like, well, it's not manly to cry. Like, I, I don't, you know, if you cry, that's awesome. But I, I just don't. It just doesn't happen very often. And uh, so anyway, I, I started crying, just crying out to God. I don't even remember what I said, but I remember just expressing my emotions and saying, God, I am, I am agonizing over this. There's all this doubt, but I, I'm, I'm sure you've given your promise. I'm sure you want this to happen. I just don't know what to do with what's going on around me. And um, so I opened my eyes and um, I wiped the tears away. I looked on the floor and there was a, a puddle of tears on the floor. And uh, it was probably the most I've ever cried in my life. But when I, when I had finished expressing and pouring out, um, I had just this sense of peace. I didn't have the answer to what I was looking for. I didn't have 
everything figured out. I didn't have all the doubts erased, but, but there was peace. And, and I think that that's why emotions are so important. I think that's why the Psalms are so important because they show us um, that emotions are essential to who we are as humans. They are an outpouring and an expression of, of who we are. Um, you know, you don't see dogs and cats with emotions. We have emotions and we can express ourselves to God. And um, the fact that David can say, you keep count of my tossings and you keep my tears in your bottle, um, it, it affirms that God didn't just give us emotions, but he likes us to use them. He, he notices them. And, and it's okay to be emotional sometimes. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, uh, to laugh and even get angry sometimes. You read through some of these other Psalms and, and, and there's anger in there. There's frustration. There's doubt. There's all these things. So um, emotions really lead us to the core of the issue though. And once I cried out to God, um, I was left with peace. And I realized that I can trust in him and who he is. And, and I just want to read this last, last verse to you one more time and just let it sit with that. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Mark, and I don't know most of you, but uh, I've been a part of the larger Mosaic community for about three and a half years now, and for the last year and a half, I've been on paid staff, and I help out with all the accounting and finances, so when your giving statements are messed up next month, I'm the one that you can come and yell at. <laughs> um, but Octavio and I, we've been friends for a number of years, and he asked me to come out and just share a little bit, and so... About a little over a year and a half ago, my wife and I uh, had the amazing news that we were pregnant. And by this, I mean my beautiful wife, Andrea, was pregnant, and I was along for the journey. And we were super excited, but we were also really nervous because neither of us had been parents before and had no idea what to expect. And so we started doing like a bunch of things to prepare to get ready for becoming parents. And one of the things we started to do is we started saving money because it was our hope and our, our wish that Andrea wouldn't have to go back to working 40 hours a week right when Evan was born, that she could take some time off, and we knew she'd have to work eventually. And so we, we came up with this plan, and we were saving, and, and we, we figured out we are going to have three buckets of savings. One was going to be the money that we were for sure going to spend to give Andrea some time at home with our, with our son. And the second bucket was actually from our tax return the year before, and we didn't really want to spend it on rent or the groceries, but we, we thought, well, we'll just hang on to it, and maybe if we don't need it for renting groceries, then we can like, go on a trip or do something fun with it. And then the third bucket was like our emergency fund, and that was like should a catastrophe strike, like, and we didn't want to spend that, but it was there. And so 10 months ago, we had Evan, and he's adorable. I wish I had a picture, but we'll go get him from childcare later, and you guys can all meet him. <laughs> and, uh, and it was great. The first 12 weeks, Andrea got to stay home, and she had uh, the short-term disability that, you know, she'd been paying into every month, the taxes, and then she actually got some of that back, and that was great, you know, to feel like you're actually getting your money's worth from the government. And after that, um, then we started kind of moving in that first bucket that we had saved up. And it was about that time that this amazing opportunity for Andrea actually looked like it was going to come together, that uh, someone we knew approached her about working. And it was going to be just totally fit up with her passions and her gifts. And on the same time, it was only going to be 20 hours a week, and it was going to be out of the house. So it was like this amazing, perfect fit. We weren't going to need childcare. We were super excited. 
But, you know, as sometimes happens, it got put on hold, you know, and we had to wait a little bit. We're like, this is cool, you know, we've got all this money we saved up, and so we're just kind of going along through the summer, and and then we get to the fall, this fall, and the first bucket ran out, and we had to kind of dip into that second bucket, the one I was hoping to use for a vacation, but instead we're buying groceries, which is, you know, good, and I like to eat, and so does Andrea, and... So, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed, but it's okay. And, but at the same time, the division that she was going to get hired into got the funding. So we're like, oh, great. All she needs is the green light from corporate, and then she can start working, and this will be great. And it's a huge corporation, and so, you know, it takes a long time for corporate to come through. And so we're still waiting through the fall, and, you know, it's like November, and we, um, we run out of that second bucket. And we, we've got to go into that third bucket. But we get the call from corporate, and we're like, great, this is it, like, perfect timing. But instead of giving the green light, since they had the money to hire her, they said, we're not hiring anyone across the whole corporation. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, it kind of really took me off guard, because we'd been planning on this. And so now we're dipping into our emergency funds. And our whole plan is kind of thrown off balance. And every week, I'm just getting more and more weighed down about what are we going to do. And the money is getting, the bank balance is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I don't know if any of you have been there when there's more money going out than there's coming in. But it, it's not fun. And I remember one day actually coming home from work. And Andrea and I were talking about it and where we're at and and, and, I, and she's like, wow, you're really, really stressed about this. And I sort of chuckled nervously. And it was, I laughed because I didn't want to cry. And that's, that's where I was at, like just so weighed down by the stress. And I started like trying to figure out a different solution. You know, like maybe I'll have to quit my job in Mosaic that I, I don't want to, but to go find a job that I like less, but that pays more money. Or maybe I'll try and find a second job. Or, but I'm this new dad, and I've got to provide for my family. And what am I going to do? And at the same time, though, in the month of December, they asked paid staff to start reading through the Psalms to uh, start preparing for this series. And I, I don't know if you know what it says in Psalm 49, but when we go ahead together and, and take a look, and it's just verses 13 and 14, or it's like the last two lines, if you've got, got this one. And it says, this is the fate of those who trust themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. Wow. <laughs> so here I've like got this huge like multi-month year plan that I've been working on for our finances. And here I'm like going to figure out the solution. I'm going to go find more work or whatever I'm going to do. It says, this is the fate of those who trust in themselves. They're like sheep and are destined to die. And it just hit me that... Here I've been, and I haven't even hardly, I've been carrying this burden and this weight, and I haven't even really even talked to God at all about it. And I know, like, I'm on staff in Mosaic, so I'm probably supposed to talk to God, like, all the time about everything going on in my life, but <laughs> I hadn't been. And, and I'm, like, just overwhelmed, and so I had this really honest conversation with God, and I told him about all my frustrations and my fears and my doubts and my worries, and, and God met me there. And I don't know if any of you are struggling with finances or if any of you have broken relationships or are burdened with a sickness or someone you know, but I know that God wants to meet you there and that he wants to help you carry those burdens. 
And amazingly, even though there's still a hiring freeze at this corporation, they found a way around it and they actually hired Andrea and she started working two weeks ago, which is great. And the, um, the ironic thing is that um, she has to work this whole month and then she'll get paid for this month sometime like late in February. And when I sat down in December, like right before I cried out to God and was like doing all my calculations, like I realized that like we can make it just into March and she's gonna get paid in February. And part of me wonders what would have happened if I had bothered instead of waiting till the very end when I felt like I was drowning to go to God in the beginning and ask him for help in the beginning. And so my hope and my prayer for all of you guys is that when you are burdened, when life is really hard, that you won't try and do what I did and do it on your own and you won't trust in yourselves, but that you'll go to God first instead of last and that he will meet you as he met us. We hope you are enjoying this Mosaic Whittier podcast. What you are about to hear is a first-person narrative based on the life of King David. Hey, um, this is not a morning I was looking forward to. Because I, 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 I knew that I, I finally had to come clean with something that I, I've been keeping for a while. And that is I committed adultery uh, about a year ago. See, the, the thing is, is, is that what, what makes it worse is just knowing, you know, I was dishonest with you guys as a community and dishonest with, uh, with my wife and dishonest with a, a very good friend who was a loyal employee. And the problem is, is that you know, I mean, I cut off contact with this woman, but mm, six weeks, two months after it, it happened, um, she contacted me to tell me she was expecting. So now I'm really going into panic mode because how do I hide this from everybody? You know, that's not the worst either. The, the thing is, is that I, I thought of different ideas to hide this and none of them worked. And so finally, I realized that I had to get to a place where somehow I, got, I had to maybe get the husband involved, something. And so I came up with an idea, mm, a suggestion, and a friend, another friend, a family member, um, was ruthless enough to execute that plan. And the result is, is that he ended up dying. Still not the worst, unfortunately, because, um, well, I still didn't want to be completely honest with, with myself or the community and, and who I was. I mean, I took advantage of my role and my position in um, what I did and what I was trying to do. So I pretended to be this great guy and took care of her. Like, I'm going to take care of this widow, take care of the child. and and. It seemed that, you know, that sort of gave some cover for a while, but not really. So, you know, I, I, I just ruined this guy's life, stole his love, dishonest with my family, dishonest with the community, and all of it because I took advantage of who I was as a person and, and because of my role and my, the ability that I have with my position. Um, 
really, here's the worst part. He no longer talked to me. You see, I would, I would go up at night on the roof of my house, trying to really listen and hear his voice again. And I couldn't hear it anymore. And I just missed everything about him. I missed his presence. I missed his company. I just missed him so much. And it was, it just wasn't the same. And so I thought it would never be the same, you know. So, a few months later, a mentor, a friend of mine, he, he um, we were a regular scheduled meeting. He told me about a story about this local bully that took advantage of another guy, stole something of him, left him, you know, without the thing that he really cared for and loved. And you know what's so funny? Um, when you see your life and someone else's life, it's so horrible, isn't it? You really hate your darkness on somebody else. And so I was ticked off at what I was hearing, and then he said, well, you're that bully. You slept with Bathsheba. Uriah was such a faithful man to you. Not only did you sleep with her, but then you had him murdered to cover your crimes. And, you know, it was, it was those moments when you are caught that there was a sense of relief, and, but such shame and embarrassment because now, because this, <laughs> this was a public meeting. He said, my name is David, I'm the king of Israel. So I left that meeting and began to think about who I was and what drove me to that place and, and would I ever hear his voice again. And so what I decided to do was to write like I used to, to him. And so I wrote a poem. In fact, some of you know about it. Let's go to Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions and wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know that my transgressions and my sins is always before me. Because really it's against you and only you, I have sinned and done what's evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. So since I can't connect to you, I've, I've tried, I don't know what to do anymore. Please cleanse me with hyssop, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. And let me hear joy and gladness again, and let these bones you've crushed rejoice. Creating me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Please, don't cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me, and restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It's a funny thing that uh, when we engage in something and choose not to become authentic people, was it, in the community or with people or with God, that you cut off that flow of life in your souls and you begin to disintegrate and come apart. You end up becoming two, three, four people. And David was the kind of guy that experienced such beauty in moments of God that when those crimes happened, all that was gone. The thing that he really loved and craved was also taken from him. And so like some of us, we, we desperately try to reconnect. We try to recreate the environment in a place that, oh, this is where I used to meet God. See, it's never the physical place. It's never the posture. It's never the prayers. It's always the person. See, because God doesn't want activity, physicality. And when he does, or when we finally do come clean with those situations sometimes, this is what ends up happening. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, you who are God and my Savior, and my tongue will sing your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Because you don't delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. So my sacrifice, God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, won't despise those. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. All of us have had a, a worse moment. Matt was telling us about his pool of tears, you know, that, that time where you're sort of embarrassed that you're that person. Or, and, you know, we can kind of laugh and appreciate those moments. Um, but here's what's funny, is, is that some of you have had those worst moments, and you were defining yourself by those moments. I am this person. And because sometimes of frustration, you just figure, well, I'm just going to give in to this. I'm that person. And there's nothing worse than being defined by your worst moments. The funny thing is, is that even in our worst moments, God defines us by his, his best. Our, our deepest need, our, our darkest, crushing evil is met and is his pleasure to restore and redeem. I don't understand why his greatest pleasure is to meet us in those moments and restore us, but it is. And so, if I can give you anything this morning, is to encourage you to stop being religious and stop trying to connect to God, thinking that somehow you're going to do something that's going to make that change. Because it's God that creates the clean heart. It is God that restores. It is God that washes. And in the end, it is him that makes us those people that he wishes to define us as. The people that are great, extraordinary, noble, generous, kind, loving, forgiving, inclusive. It's God that restores people, not us. What he wants from us is authenticity, confessions. And then the result is, you end up telling people, man, I've experienced something wonderful. You ought to come experience it too. And this is David's song to us this morning.
Hey, I'm going to close in a moment of prayer, so if you'll join me. Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are and your generosity and your kindness towards us. Um, you have been greater than we can even understand. And in moments when you have been kind to us, we've not fully understood your kindness. Um, help us be brave enough to experience our worst in your presence so that you would reach out and touch us restore, heal, forgive. Help us to be able to unstop our ears to hear you again so that we can hear you forgive us and declare your love for us. Father, I pray not just um, for folks that are here, but folks that, that know the folks that are here that, that are just wondering if they could ever make this right again. And you can. Thank you for redeeming our worst moments into something marvelous. And thank you for restoring joy to us and peace and pleasure and allowing us to be human beings engaged in your story, sharing with humanity, expanding the good, displaying, being those works of, of your goodness and, and displaying your kindness and being those billboards, those works of art that show how marvelous you really, really are. Help us be those people. In your son's name, amen. I want to give you a closing thought before you head out. <laughs> David's son from this relationship passed away as a baby. He had another son with that woman, Bathsheba, who you might be more familiar with. His name is Solomon. Solomon was tasked with building the temple, the place that God would meet his people. I always find it amazing that sometimes we think the worst of us is the end of our stories. When committing to God again could actually become the beginning of something more marvelous. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.